This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this episode of Inside Supercars, we speak to a 20-year veteran of pit lane, Phil Keed, as he's guiding Bryce forward through year two of his supercar main game career with Brad Jones Racing. Bryce and I spoke a lot last year, but the first year, you know, he, he moved to the team, I moved to the team, we started working together. Um, the first year is often really difficult. There are some fairy tales at times and some people, it just works, but um, Last year felt tough and I felt like we worked really, really hard and I think Bryce probably felt like he worked really hard and, and we didn't see any any tangible sort of rewards. Phil Key talks about engineering Gen 3, his 20 years on pit lane and a whole bunch more and it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercast, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by a man who, in fact, is celebrating his 20th year in the engineering capacity, Phil Keed. Welcome back to Inside Supercast. G'day, guys. Phil, um, uh, we know you also had a life before Supercars. You were a uh, World Rally Championship man who built your credentials and experience. Um, it's, you've experienced many different forms of motorsport, but the current one is clearly a difficult one because you're having to confront a new car and new experiences. Tell us about some of the things you've had to ch- been challenged by this year. Well, I mean, you know, to, to be honest, from from my very personal experience, I've, I've been a little bit remote from the shop um, and uh, I've helped everywhere I can, but the, the process has been carried by, you know, I guess I guess a few especially um, central people, but us teams, I think, have, have really... Um, been able to knuckle down, uh, aside from the, the homologation team, to really knuckle down and, and focus on getting the cars built, uh, understanding the electronics. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's been difficult, but I would say no more no more difficult than any of the other builds. You know, I'm lucky enough at, at BJR that the team's really across all of that kind of thing, the boys in the shop, the manufacturing. So um, although there's been a lot of complaints, um, which is pretty natural, it's actually been, I would say, not, not too bad a process, and we've still got some, some things to work through, of course. One of the things, of course, being in a four-car team is it's been long mooted that there are different reasons as to why that four-car model works so well, one of which, of course, is the commercial, but the other one is from an engineering perspective. Are you finding that uh, because of having four cars, you can go in those different directions and come up with an answer 
quicker than you would with just a one or two car team? Yeah, I, th- I think so, Tony. I mean, I think um, it's been something the last couple of years we've really been working very hard on is to get the most out of having, uh, you know, economy of scale as it were we've got lots of engineers lots of you know we've got four four cars where we could try things um the 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 tricky thing is is managing that process and and there's sort of you just need sort of some unspoken sort of um ability to sort of all work together um and that, that takes time with you know everybody in in engineering tends to be a little bit of a bigger personality so you really have to sort of find common ground um i would say it's starting to work for us really well that the group is really good and is, is gelling really well um even the drivers need to to have commitment to um <clears throat> to that process sometimes we don't get to try the thing that you really desperate to try somebody else might try that thing and, and you play your role so getting used to that actually is is what it takes and um yeah it's, it's really starting some momentum for our team Phil, is the Gen 3 car the, the best supercar you've worked on, do you think? Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, look, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's the best, uh, but you have to qualify that with it was, it, was built to a, it was built to a formula. It was built to try and save complexity and cost and um, while also, you know, saving weight and still going fast. Uh, there's lots of things on it that I really like and that are really nice. There's some things, you know, I think we, we over the years we've built some really nice things through the freedom of regulation. So, you know, just just that fact that, that it's a, it was part of the objective to, to uh, control a lot of the parts means that it's probably not as exotic in some areas, but, um, you know, it's a really nice car. Is it, in your mind, an easier job... To get it into a window is the is the window bigger or the or is it just too early to tell what this thing's going to be like? I think we're I think we're all in that phase where you you, you drop out in a certain place and um, you, you don't really know why yet. So you know some people have dropped out closer than others. I, I feel like we've we've actually popped out in a, in a reasonable spot. Doesn't necessarily mean that the window you know. So for us, I guess it's it's started reasonably well. Um, it's a little bit difficult to tell if the window's wider or not. Uh, you know, initially I would say the the, the sense of less aero, less, less aero pitch sensitivity means that the car seems not quite as knife-edgy to tune and drive as it, as it was before. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, that, that could – people that were really harnessing that well, that might be a loss for them. For us, it's, it's, uh, it's probably a little bit broader window, I guess. Do you think there's a lot of opportunity still for the engineering and for the the tweaks that you like to put, even with the way the regulations are structured? Oh yeah, I mean you know, all all of us engineers are sort of detail type people, and um, you know, the, the sort of control category is a bit of a misnomer because you you actually end up. I mean, there's there's just as many opportunities nearly as before. In, in some ways, the job's harder to create little points of difference but the, all the things are still there within the rules um you know you just have to look a little bit harder and uh, so for me I, I quite enjoy that i don't think it'll change um you know that the, the some cars might shuffle up and down in teams but I, I think there's still great opportunity to create point of difference and tune the car differently um hopefully they'll hopefully that you know they'll consider incorporating a few other non-linearities and and ways 
for the cards to have slightly different DNA in their tuning over the next couple of years. Um, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes quite nice to have cards that, that do different things for different reasons. But uh, no, no, for me, it's it's quite exciting. These these processes are always, um, you know, you're starting with with no no real knowledge about it and um, lots of little things to learn and explore. Jamie has mentioned that he'd like to see more weight stripped out of these cars. Is there a lot of weight outside of outside of ballast in the build of the car? Well, I mean, you know, I, I understand um, Jamie's point, of course, but I would I would say you know there's areas on the car at the moment where you know some of the cost cutting, sorry, some of the uh, the weight savings that, that we've done already have contributed to increased costs, um, build complexity, and and. Uh, you know, ongoing costs like you know, sort of damaging splitters and bodywork. So, cautiously, I would say yes. It would be it would be really good to strip out more weight. That's always a it's always a gain. But I think we have to be really really careful that the um you know the replaceable parts need to be easy to make, easy to source, um and and relatively cheap. Given that it's completely you know control formula, we shouldn't be paying too much money for any of these parts. And ideally, we'd we'd be able to make many of them ourselves. Given the vast difference between Newcastle and Albert Park, you must be looking forward to going to something at uh, a bit more within your normal spectrum, that being Wanneroo Raceway. You knew what worked on your old car. I imagine you'll be dialed in pretty close to that um, sort of settings on the new one. Well, I mean, Tony, obviously over the years, you know, myself and BJ, there have been lots of highs and lows at, at uh, Barbagallo, but... Um, this time last year, actually, you know, sort of um, quite a few new drivers and everything else, and a new new sort of way of looking at things. We actually weren't all that strong at Grand Prix or Barbagallo. Um, Andre uh, Carate got a podium at, on the on the last race, but probably more through good management and um, and uh, strategy than than pace. So we, we actually didn't feel like we had a lot to go on for Grand Prix, and you know, last year much better, but. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're similar enough tracks in a lot of ways that we, we probably Grand Prix went, went well for us. There were a good number of problems that have cropped up as these whether things like the uh, the Ford engine problem as such. Did you see any evidence of that tomorrow engine bay? Uh, no, no, we, we haven't seen any, any real evidence of that. Um, it, it does seem to be a Ford, you know, not talking out of school, but it does seem to be a, a problem with that particular you know, oil system or, or the way the oil system works on that particular engine. Um, we, we haven't experienced uh, a similar thing, no. Phil, can you talk to us about Bryce and your experience? You, you've had some amazing drivers under your control for a while. How's this second year and Bryce's development going? Yeah, look, very well. It's really exciting. Um, really starting to love, you know, starting to really enjoy enjoy the racing again I think you know Bryce and I spoke a lot last year but the, the first year you know he, he moved to the team I moved to the team we started working together um, the first year is often really difficult there are some fairy tales at times and some people it just works but um, last year felt tough and I felt like we worked really really hard and I think Bryce probably felt like he worked really hard and, and we didn't see any any tangible sort of rewards um, so this year you know, Bryce worked really hard over Christmas. Um, you know, we've, we've always had a good relationship anyway. But, um, yeah, the, the, the change of car and, and his his changed mindset 
and uh, all the hard work he's done, it's, it's sort of everything's coming a lot easier. But, I mean, that's obviously something that happens the second year as well. So it's, it's, it's really pleasing and re- really enjoyable. And tell us, Phil, with a very different practice format at Wanneroo, that being the 90-minute session on the Friday, it obviously means you've got to be very disciplined in order to get through that session and learn things. Um, you obviously, have, have, I would think, have a fairly strict schedule drawn up for that session? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. For me, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good format. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a, across the board. I think that everybody is, is relishing it. But for me, I think it's a very good one because, you know, it's, it's a lot more session time than we would normally have in, in lead-up to a, an event like Barbagallo. And, you know, you don't actually have to fill every single lap. You've got 90 minutes. It, it gives you time to do some race runs. It gives you time to do some longer changes. So if you use that time pressure that we normally have on our normal 30-minute sessions, I mean, they're just flat out. We don't stop. Um, and if we can sort of just relax a little bit here and there, you know, 90 minutes will be will be really good. It's a lot of laps for, for Barbagallo. So for me, I'm, I'm quite excited about it. And, yes, I have got a um, you know, fairly detailed plan for it. I, too, am looking forward to it. From I'll be watching remotely. I'm looking forward to watching it. And, and it brings into perspective the importance of those people in pit lane with television, making sure that the stories are out there being told on what is happening during those sessions. So that's something for us to look forward to. And I imagine, I think that supercars will be realising they've got a chance to sell this story on, on the event that's uh, having this for the first time. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And, and to be honest, I'm not, um, I'm not across the, the sort of reasoning behind it, but I think it's a very good idea. I think it's a very good idea in, in, in this phase of, of getting the Gen 3 up to speed, um, giving everybody a little bit more time to, to make some more sensible changes and some changes that you would probably avoid in a 30-minute session because they take too long. So, yeah, hopefully um, everybody will have two sets of greens that they, they need to run or can run. So there should be you know, a couple of, couple of good tyre hits. There should be some race runs to, uh, to focus on. Um, which is not always something we see at a, in a 30-minute session. So, no, I, th- I think it's, um, yeah, I, th- I think it should be good. One of the other privileges that you have being in a four-car team is the feedback. And, I mean, you would have seen the same as everyone who was watching television and watched those races. There were moments when the car was showing that very thing that was being sought. That is to be more competitive. The cars could be racing against each other. Um and are you getting that feedback from the four drivers who come in and sit there and tell you and your other engineers about what the car was like in a session? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. The car was obviously very different at the beginning of the year. Um, we've, we've all probably made it a bit nicer to, to use than, than when they first rolled out. So, you know, obviously the difference for everybody was a little bit confronting. But um, to be honest, I feel like everybody has um, – in, in our group seems to have just embraced, well, it's a different car and there's really no comment of, of what the old car did anymore. It's, um, it's just looking forwards. Um, everybody seems to still enjoy the racing. Um, there was probably some pessimism at the very first test from all of us, um, but everybody seems to really enjoy it. Having fun, I think, the, to me, the cars appear to race a little better, although I don't think we've done enough of the right sort of tracks to, to you know, uh, sign that off 
completely. But for me, my perception was it was a little easier to pass at Grand Prix than it has been in the past. I don't know how much you follow all the uh, scuttlebutt and talk, but when you heard about a floating pit lane and pit lane to be set by the team's championship as it stands, what were your thoughts on that, thinking that you're currently sitting 10th with Bryce Forward? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I definitely have a fairly biased opinion because we, you know, lost a podium and a, and a fourth with with these these pit lane incidents. When you're running um, further up the field than your position in pit lane, you when you do these short pit stops, you, you go to leave the box and there's now a raft of people coming in um, who can block you or it's, it's a real challenge to then get out of your pit box without having a mishap. So, you know, that, that really disadvantaged us at, Grand Prix and it will continue to all year if we continue to to run in positions higher than our, our pit lane positions. So for me, I think it's better. I think it, it definitely avoids some of these these problems that you have with teams that are performing well but back down back down pit lane. I, I think, you know, we, we just turn up at a particular round and, and go to the garage where allocated. So it really won't change anything Um in, in that sense, I think it's a good idea. I, I think that there's so many loopholes and and sort of craziness in the way you can end up um, with your pit lane order for the year, you know, because of there's groupings and everything else and just a pair of cars will get a whole group further up. So, no, I, 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 I would be excited by it. I think it's good. And what about, though, if you were to then have to split away from having all four cars side by side. And if if it's the case that you might be pit bay garage three, but your team car might be pit garage, I'm going to say 12. Yeah, well, look, I mean, that, you know, that, that would definitely create logistical issues for any any team running in a group. You know, there's there's common common um, management and, and support crew and everything else across across four garages, whichever way you look at it, you know, there's certain things get carried in different trucks and that kind of thing. So that sort of separation would, would almost certainly cause a problem. Um, but, uh, yeah, luckily that sort of stuff's not not for me to decide. Phil, given that um, BJR has been a team, you know, back in the days when Kim was involved and, and uh, that always looked to do things their own way, um, are you aware of... Uh, for instance, things like the splitter, the the fact that they were such a elaborate device that seemed to be far more elaborate than they needed to be for something that's basically just you know completing the front bar. Um, do you know if there's some new developments have been made on that? No, although you know, I'm, you know, there's there's a working group looking at those sorts of things. It's, it's not the time to immediately change things. Um, there's, there's, you know, more, more pressing things to sort out before that. But, you know, you, you probably would think it will be one of the earlier things that, are, that come up for review. Um, you know, obviously, in the, con- in the context of the Camaro bar, I, I can see that there are actually some really quite, quite clever innovations there in, in the sense of, of that it, it articulated and had a little sort of a, a flexible member in there, which is very good for the vertical, uh, you know, the vertical sort of hits and things like that. Um, obviously, it wasn't replicated across both uh, both car manufacturers, which meant that, you know, that disappeared. So, yes, you're left with quite a lot of complexity without 
the, the features that would have justified that. Uh, tyre bundles, side impacts seem to do seem to cause quite a lot of damage and that, that component's quite expensive and difficult to fit. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a learning process and um, that's probably going to be a thing that, that um, will pop up once the, the more pressing reliability issues are sorted. Um, given this weekend format where you've uh, – well, it's the same one where you've got both qualifying and a race on the Saturday and then the Sunday – do you see, you know, 42 lap races, I think they are, is that correct? Something like yes. that? Yes, yes. Do you see any dramatic change or just a polishing of the strategy to get you to, a, you know, a high place in the races, if not a podium? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all of these sorts of tracks, when there's not enormous amounts of deg, it, you know, it's not... I mean, here does does have some deg. We, we tended in the past not to get sort of that phase two degradation. So, you know, that that sort of means it's a pretty normal strategy. There's a window people pit earlier or a little bit later. Um, and then it's hard to get a point of difference to move forward a long way. I mean, you really need clear track, but you need to do that. You need a, a period where you can, it's profitable to have pitted, but not many others are pitting. So yeah, just that usual thing. If we, if we don't qualify as well as we think we can race then we, you know, you have to sort of start taking little risks and um, put yourself put yourself a little bit separate. So, I mean, the, the big one at Perth, you know, as, as, as it, uh, the track, it degrades fairly quickly. So it was resurfaced a few years ago now. And um, every year we go back, you know, it's just a little bit more degradations come back in. Um, we, we don't really know that with, uh, with the changes in aero, how, how much um, degradation there'll be. And it's possible there's a lot more rear deg than in the past. And if that's the case, then it'll be much more open sort of a race for, uh, you know, working on tyre life and, and uh, you know, going long on one end of the race or the other. A driver that you've had a bit to deal with is going to have uh, 600 on his car to mark his 600th race, Mark Winterbottom. How about yourself, 20 years? Have you ever counted up how many races you've actually engineered? You know, actually, I really haven't. Um, I think I've only missed one or two, maybe during the having children years, but... Um, yeah, no, I haven't actually added them up, and I think it's it's a little bit different for us in the support side compared to the drivers. It's sort of a, a bit more of a, a benchmarked thing. So, um, no, I haven't I haven't tallied it. It'd be interesting though to do a couple of those tallies. That would be the sort of thing that you would have seen in race facts, you know. Uh, Richard Holloway is up to his <laughs> 1,300 uh, meeting this well race this week. It, it uh, perhaps was something of a time gone by when those records were. Yeah, there's 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 a couple around. I was talking to Richard. We had a great old chat at the Grand Prix, and um, yeah, he's definitely done a few more races than me when I was off off rallying. He was he was uh, cranking along here. It would be interesting to see how many how many have uh, have done 20 years or more. There'd be a few though. Well, Phil Keith, we wish you all the very best and thank you for joining us again on Inside Supercars. Enjoy your time. Um, I'm sure that you and Bryce will make your mark on the uh, sands of Western Australia without being in the sands. And I hope that very soon you'll be able to get that chance to throw the rod out of the uh, the boat again and go catch some fish. Um, that'll be something that we'll uh, look forward to hearing about in future. Thank, thank you very much. It's always great to talk to you guys. So. Thank you, uh, Tony and Craig. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more.
or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.